Welcome to EduTalks Canada, the podcast that explores the diverse landscape of education in the Great White North. In today's episode, we delve into a topic that resonates deeply with many of our listeners, the mental health challenges faced by immigrant students in Canada. As a nation celebrated for its inclusivity and multiculturalism, Canada warmly welcomes students from around the globe. Yet, beneath the surface of this welcoming embrace lie unique struggles that immigrant students encounter as they navigate their educational journey in a new country. Join us as we uncover the layers of this important issue, examining the cultural, academic, and social factors that impact the mental well-being of immigrant students. Through insightful conversations and personal reflections, we'll shed light on the experiences of these students and explore ways to support their mental health needs effectively. So, whether you're an educator, a student, or simply someone interested in the intersection of education and mental health, this episode is for you. Stay tuned as we embark on a journey to better understand and address the mental health challenges Canada's immigrant students face. Welcome to EduTalks Canada. back to a new episode of EduTalks Canada and today with me I have a really really special guest uh, it's uh, Ruben Gagarin hi Ruben thank you for joining um, I'd like to mention quite shortly that Ruben is a um, psychiatrist um, in 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 Toronto and um, he's my colleague's partner, my colleague who you have heard in the first episode, Olga. Uh, Ruben, thank you for joining. Um, now, I am not uh, well versed in the different types of credentials that you have, and I know you're very much uh, experienced, educated, and I would like you to toot your own horn, so to speak. Could you let our listeners know about yourself, please? Okay, well, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ruben Gagarin. I'm a licensed uh, child and adolescent and uh, uh, young adult psychiatrist working in uh, Scarborough, Toronto. Uh, so uh, um, as uh, many of you, I am also an immigrant. Uh, we came to Canada in 2002. I um, uh, completed my medical school and uh, postgraduate in uh, education back uh, at home in Russia. Uh, so, um, but when I came here, um, uh, only my medical school was uh, recognized, uh, and uh, as many of you know, may know that uh, uh, in the medical field, medical school provides mostly uh, a theoretical background and uh, basic knowledge, and uh, most of the doctors, they gain their practical skills and specialization in uh, um, after medical school and post-grad training. So um, as such, uh, they... Um, uh, my credentials are that I completed my medical school back in uh, uh, Ufa, Russia. Uh, so, and uh, I did my postgraduate uh, psychiatric training in Buffalo, New York, at uh, wow. State University of New York. Wow. So, and for the past uh, 13 years or so, uh, I have been working at uh, uh, Scarborough Health Network. It changed names, I think, twice uh, since I started, <laughs> but it is still the same hospital. Um, so yeah. I don't have much of uh, research experience, but uh, not doing research helped me uh, to do a lot of clinical work. So I have seen hundreds, actually at this point, thousands of uh, patients 
who come through different channels, outpatient, emergency room, inpatient. Uh, I have a lot of experience. Uh, so, Ruben, uh, we will be talking a little bit about uh, practically how we advise students. Now, me, myself, as an international student advisor um, and being a licensed immigration consultant, I'm not the best person sometimes to identify um, mental health issues or maybe some of those triggers to watch out in students. So, we will. Uh, this podcast is to give international students an idea on mental health, how to access, uh, perhaps in-house counselors, how to access services that are provided by you, etc. But before we begin all that, let's turn back the time or turn back the clock a little bit to your journey as a student uh, in Buffalo, because um, Olga has mentioned this story to me and I find it very interesting. And it may be interesting to listeners uh who are exploring a similar background to yourself and studying in different cities, like the family is in a different city and you're in a different city. How did that whole commute work? How was that experience? How long did it take until you were finished graduating and what happened? So, uh, well, essentially that uh, medical field is special. Uh, so it is the uh, highly protected field. And uh, since I uh, did my postgraduate training in uh, Buffalo, a lot of things changed, I'm sure, over the past uh, 13, 14 years. Actually, plus five years, so that uh, that would be like 19 years uh, when I started my residency training um, in Buffalo. So I can't really advise on uh, uh, how to... Uh, uh, get the license for uh, like medical license but what i mm-hmm. uh, can say that um, for us as fresh immigrants uh, when i came to canada i didn't think that uh, i could um, become a doctor let alone be a psychiatrist because my language skills were very basic uh, so mm-hmm. i had to look up a lot of basic words uh, i could communicate on a kind of tourist level uh, meaning yeah. that uh, I could survive in a in a city like by food or like order food in a restaurant or like uh, a book a hotel room, but that was the level of my language. I could not mm. ever dream to uh, master enough language to speak with uh, native speakers and yeah. uh, be able to uh, kind of catch nuances of what they're saying, kind of you know like interplay between the words and the tone and etc. Yeah. Um, so uh, what happened was that Olga, uh, my wife, she. Uh, landed in Canada a few months before me, so I went. I, I left. Uh, I, sorry, I uh, stayed back uh, for a few mon- more months because uh, she had no income, and uh, at that point I did. Uh, so mm-hmm. that I came here for a couple of uh, weeks. We uh, settled uh, my wife and uh, my son, and then I mm-hmm. went back for a few months uh, before I finally came uh, to Canada. So. Um, uh, when I arrived, she uh, she had better language skills and she had some connections. She went yeah. through the um, new uh, landed immigrants program. Uh, I think it still existed called uh, Skills for Change. Yes. Uh, so it's non for profit organization. A lot of uh, such organizations help new immigrants in Canada. Uh, and uh, Olga enrolled me in there pretty much mm. like first or second week. She said wow. that I have uh, nothing else to do anyway. <laughs> uh, so I had no job. I had like no friends or nothing. So she enrolled me into that. She showed me how to use uh, streetcars and subways, and uh, uh, and then I kind of I started. And yeah. uh, 
long behold, uh, some uh, stars aligned, and uh, in my group, uh, there were half of the group were physicians. That is very wow. unusual. So, because Skills for Change uh, program for medical health professionals is designed for lab techs, uh, not even nurses, uh, sort of wow. just kind of you know entry level uh, healthcare workers. But half mm. of my twenty people group was physicians who were trying mm. to get a license in Canada. But wow. they were just maybe a couple of months ahead of me, uh, yeah. so they did not know all the nuances. So they only mm -hmm. knew what is uh, kind of written on the website. And mm -hmm. uh, it seemed to them that uh, the process was very straightforward. Uh, and uh, the way how they presented it to me, there was just one book. It's a uh, you know, 1,200 pages, pretty thick book uh, wow. that, uh, that I need to almost pretty much memorize. And if mm -hmm. I do so, I can pass a couple of exams. I get through residency training and then I can become a doctor. So it wow. seemed to be kind of straightforward enough. So uh, I, uh, the kind of second week, I went to a bookstore, bought that book for something like $300. Uh, so wow. it was a very expensive book. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and only then I realized that uh, it's not so much a book as a yeah. set of uh, notes. So mm -hmm. essentially, it's uh, pretty much... Uh, 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 just notes, like line by line, things that facts that they need to remember. There's no connections. There's no explanation or anything. It just kind of answers to potential questions. Uh, mm -hmm. So, um, and then later on, in a few more months, I uh, met someone who uh, told me that uh, uh, what is not written on the website is the chances of me getting into residency program. And at mm -hmm. that point, in the beginning of 2000s, I had about 0.3% chance of getting into residency in Canada. Wow. So and about 50% chance of getting into residency in the U.S. Uh, so uh, chances were much better for the U.S. So I uh, also took uh, prep courses for U.S. exams and Canadian exams. And then yeah. uh, I started my residency in uh, Buffalo in 2005, three years after I landed in Canada. And mm -hmm. five years later, I got uh, my position in uh, Scarborough, wow. uh, so now, Toronto. Is I, I'm just trying to recollect. Did you say that uh, you know this was perhaps in 2002, 2003 at that point of time, right? We landed in 2002, and 2000, by 2005, okay. I already got position. So yeah, it took okay, about so a year to find it. So approximately 20 years next year. Now, is it? Yeah quite similar even now for people coming from uh, abroad if they are trying to get into residency etc is that, is that what you mentioned earlier it's yeah it's hard for me to tell to say yeah. uh, so that the process is similar for sure yeah. but yeah. uh this nuances they make a huge difference yeah. so uh as i as i sort of implied before that uh, what is written on the websites i'm pretty sure that not much changed mm -hmm. but um uh, these nuances, uh, the chances of getting into a particular program, that might be quite uh, different. Yeah. Uh, so, and um, a lot of my friends who uh, came here with a uh, medical degree from back home, they yeah. um, changed their um, uh, vacation. So they became, mm -hmm. many of them became uh, ultrasound technicians, for example. So there are oh, pathways. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, it's not... Um, Becoming a physician is not exactly straightforward all the time because of these nuances. And, uh, you know, once you have your credential from uh, America, 
is it an easier transition into Canada to get a license or to be licensed to practice? Uh, well, there is a process so uh, that uh, Canada um, uh, is um, accepting uh, American uh, training. However, mm-hmm. uh, Canada is still different from the U.S., so they have their own um, system of uh, confirming credentials. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, what I had to do is for about a year, I had to work under supervision. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, while I, I did that, I uh, took uh, final exams uh, for um, uh, for Canada, and only then I was able to get uh, my independent license. So at this wow. point, I don't have to work in a hospital. I do work in a hospital. I, I like this challenge, but yeah. uh, I might as well just open private practice if I wanted to. I see. Okay. Uh, but you don't see clients privately at the moment? Well, I see them as an outpatient in a clinic. Ah, uh, so see, the I difference see. is that uh, in private practice, I am in charge of who I am accepting, who I'm declining. Uh, so in the hospital, I uh, I don't have that choice. And uh, mm, to be honest, uh, a lot of the time, I would not choose some of my clients. I would got rather it. not to work with them. But yeah. uh, they uh, they present in interesting cases and complex, uh, challenging. Uh, yeah. So uh, I don't. So I appreciate I appreciate that. Yeah, and that's very similar to our role um, as licensed immigration consultants. When we have our own private practice, we can decide uh, <laughs> which clients we want to take on. But when we are working for an institution, obviously. We have to serve everyone equitably, right? So uh, that's good to know. I know Olga had a funny story about uh, you commuting between Buffalo and I think St. Catharines you used to live at the time, or Olga lived yeah, there. Yeah, so the way the way how it worked for us is uh, was that um, uh, uh, see the first year of uh, postgraduate training, medical training, is internship. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that is very demanding. So um, mm. that that basically calls on uh, people to uh, to the doctors, like young doctors, to wake up at like 4 a.m. in the morning, be in the hospital by by 5, wow. uh, so be able to present the patients by 6 a.m. And uh, we usually got home by, you know, maybe 8, 7. Oh, wow. Uh, so that it's very long uh, week. So um, yeah. for the first uh, two years of that uh, kind of uh, grueling work, I uh, essentially rented an apartment in Buffalo, uh, so and mm. uh, I uh, bought a car and uh, I kind of settled there for two years. And yeah. uh, Olga and our oldest son they stayed uh, back in uh, Toronto. So I commuted mm. here every week uh, on the Ooh. weekends. <laughs> so that uh, that uh, that went on for uh, two years. Occasionally yeah. they came to visit me. So uh, my son mm. went to like a camp in the uh, in New York State. But essentially that uh, we had to. Um, maintain kind of long long distance relationship for some time and then yeah. uh, uh, two years later we uh, bought a house in uh, St. Catharines that is mm-hmm. on a good day it's about 45 minutes uh, uh, commute to Buffalo yeah. so it's yeah. not too bad like uh, some people bad, in yeah. Toronto commute like hour and a half to work so yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, sometimes I would get stuck on uh, on uh, on a bridge like crossing the border but usually it wasn't it wasn't such yeah. a big problem. If it's um, if it's a long weekend or something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's yeah, because Olga has told me that story a number of times. Where, you know, when we are at work, and it's always um, it's also to highlight 
the struggle that new immigrants go through and also when you're trying to achieve um, something for the family as a unit, right? Uh, you're kind of going through that process. And uh, I just wanted to highlight that for our listeners who, um, you know, to, 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 to let them know that, you know, there are we all face certain challenges or different types of challenges and be prepared for that as well. Now, um, moving on to your practice, um, as as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, when, you know, I might be a first point of contact for a lot of international students and knowingly or unknowingly, I have to look out or, you know, I have to kind of look out for signs of, um, um, I wouldn't put it very deeply as mental health issues, but at least for signs of, um, or certain signs to see if someone needs help from a mental health aspect, right? And our first uh, response is to ask the student to visit the counselor, uh, the in-house counselors that we have uh, at our campus. Now, we cannot particularly force our students to go. We, you know, suggest it and we let them know that this is how you can make the booking. And uh, for the most part, people don't necessarily go. But of course, we have a crisis counselor. And if there's anything that's super emergency, then we kind of, okay, you need to come with me, right? Um could you let our listeners know in terms of, I mean, this is also some knowledge for me as an advisor to students. What are the signs we can look out for in a student that we may think, okay, they need mental health help, right? Well, before I, before I answer the, your question, it's uh, something, uh, something I picked up on what, uh, when you mentioned that uh, sacrifices that we have to make for our families and they, for yeah, the future. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so, um, see, uh, it's, uh, it's a long, immigration is a long-term project. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, if you're doing it for someone else, even for your children or, 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 or your wife or your parents, mm-hmm. um, it uh, tends to lead to burnout. So I think that uh, uh, that there is a balance uh, between finding something for yourself, uh, mm-hmm. so kind of uh, overcoming challenges and um, uh, uh, sort of um, uh, uh, adapting to the new environment and yeah. sort of uh, uh, doing something for yourself just as mm-hmm. important as doing something for others. Because yeah. if you just kind of focusing on like this, uh, like I'm going to sacrifice myself for my family, yeah. It's a it's a losing battle because yeah. then you get like a you know like fourteen year old teenager who doesn't want to even have a meal together with you and then you feel yeah. well I sacrificed my whole life to like uh, for 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 you to have that meal in, in front of you and then you don't yeah. want to even talk to me and then all yeah. of a sudden it becomes like all sorts of uh, psychological problems that you putting on your children who didn't ask you to sacrifice anything yeah uh, so for them so um, I'm thinking that uh, like what worked very well for us is that. Yeah. Uh, we both um, sort of um, found something for ourselves. Uh, right. So uh, I kind of described what I was doing. And uh, uh, my wife, uh, simultaneously, she was uh, uh, working on her business degree and MBA. Uh, she uh, was uh, making her, her business career uh, so that uh, basically she did not, I'm sure that she did not feel that I or like 
I'm sacrificing for her, she's sacrificing for me. And so yeah. we kind of just work as a kind of equal relationship. As a team, as yeah. a team exactly. Yeah. So to answer your question is that there are kind of, it's a two-tier question, is that yeah. uh, if you become a first um, point of contact for the yes. uh, international students, mm -hmm. um, realistically, I don't know if uh, there is much that you can do in terms of like diagnosis, diagnosing uh, mental health issues and predicting yeah. how they're going to uh, handle it. Especially exactly. when it comes to severe mental health issues, something yeah. like bipolar disorder or psychosis, um, mm. immigration in general increases risks of uh, people presenting uh, with uh, with psychosis or bipolar disorder. I'm talking about severe mental illness. Um, uh, so, uh, and uh, that is related to that stress and pressure that uh, the environment presents, yeah. and the lack of support, I suppose. Um, however. Uh, uh, the first tier is that um, what kind of safeguards you can uh, you can offer your clients. Yeah. Uh, so um, uh, I know that international students they require to have a medical insurance. Yes. Um, so anecdotally, um, um, my uh, my mother who uh, mm -hmm. passed away ten years ago as of today. So today is oh, the day, uh, ten, 10 years anniversary. So she uh, she passed away. Um, but in 2011, uh, she visited us here and she uh, caught a uh, viral uh, pneumonia, something similar to COVID. Who knows? Maybe oh, it wow. was a corona, some sort of coronavirus because coronavirus existed even before COVID-19. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but um, she had a viral pneumonia and uh, she ended up in a hospital in ICU uh, for two weeks. Wow. And each day cost like over $2,000. So wow. then after that, she spent another uh, week in a regular unit, which was $1,500 a day. Mm. Then uh, I, so essentially I was hit with a, with a hospital bill for like uh, $80,000. Oh um, so, and uh, $50,000 of that was covered by her insurance, but we also had to fight for it because, uh, to prove that her acute viral pneumonia was not pre-existing condition <laughs> when mm. she arrived to Canada like uh, <laughs> two months before. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm laughing because, uh, again, the acute viral pneumonia is an infection that develops in, in a matter of days, not like two months that yeah. people come yeah. with. Uh, so in any case, um, what I'm trying to say is that uh, medical care in Canada is very expensive. Yes. Uh, so, uh, on one hand, if you go to see your family doctor, it's like $100. Uh, mm -hmm. So, and uh, some uh, colleges and universities, they, uh, they offer pretty much uh, free uh, medical care. So, that's mm -hmm. not even an issue. However, if someone ends up in a long-term, uh, ends up needing long-term medical care or, mm -hmm. mental care or mental health care, it may go into hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, I remember that uh, I had an international student just a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. She was in high school, uh, as a matter of fact, which is unusual. Uh, yeah. So uh, she developed bipolar disorder. Uh, typically, oh, wow. people develop bipolar disorder sometime in the first few years of secondary school, like mm. age 90, 18 to 20. Mm -hmm. So uh, she was something like uh, 16 or 17. No. So she developed bipolar disorder. And uh, she spent in our hospital, I want to say a month. Mm -hmm. So again, we're talking about at least a thousand dollars a day. I don't know exactly no. the number. So uh, and then uh, she was transferred to a state hospital, where I spent another 
uh, I think about three months because oh, wow. she wasn't before she was in any shape to return back home. Uh, mm-hmm. So she had very supportive family. Her mom was at home. She was a very nice kid. Uh, so, but um, you know, like any any other medical illness, this was completely unpredictable. She yeah. was an A student. She was doing very well. She had friends, very social, uh, charismatic, engaging. Nobody could even uh, ever imagine that uh, she would have a severe mental uh, illness. So, um, um, if and her insurance in particular, it didn't really pay very well. Uh, yeah. If I I don't remember all the details, but it went something like uh, her full insurance, and that is a very important point, actually, so mm-hmm. that when her parents, uh, her mother, spoke with her, so mm-hmm. uh, when she uh, signed up her daughter, like she, she, she cared a lot about her daughter, so she signed up, this, uh, in for, uh, signed up for this insurance, and the coverage was something like a million dollars. So to any parent wow. that would be saying, you know, like it's, uh, there is no an issue, so that... Uh, yeah. You know, that a million dollars would cover, like, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, but there is, like, a small uh, small uh, uh, font at the bottom. That would, uh, it would say that uh, it only covers 25000 per occurrence. Ah, and then okay. you say, well, what is the occurrence? Well, occurrence means, like, hospitalization. But her hospitalization yeah. was thousands of dollars. Uh, yeah. So not 25, it was probably like close to 100,000 or maybe more. So yeah. essentially, that that insurance that on the paper, it says $1 million, but it wouldn't cover more than 25,000. Yeah. And also, uh, mental health tends to be um, neglected. Uh, so yeah. uh, that in that particular insurance, I remember they also said that uh, it would, co- would not cover similar conditions. Yeah. And in mental health, you can make a case that a lot of the conditions are similar. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's not, uh, uh, it's just not possible if someone is healthy physically, but that, mm-hmm. uh, then they have uh, mental health issues. Uh, so it's just not, in the- even in theory, it's not possible to use up a million dollars in a year. So yeah. I, at that point, I can say a billion dollar, hundred billion dollar. It's just not possible <laughs> to uh, to. So I can I can I can create whatever. Like I can put uh, put down any number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that uh, what I say that in summary that uh, step one is that it is important to read uh, the contract for insurance and make yeah. sure that uh, if a child a child ends up in a hospital, that something like at least hundred thousand dollars will be covered. Hmm. So the uh, second point is um, it's not so much about mental illness per se, mm-hmm. but it's more about ability to um, adjust to a new environment. Yeah. So, for example, maybe uh, I would ask a, uh, a person a question. If, uh, uh, if a parent sends their kid to another country for two years of high school or four years of high school or college, yeah. Uh, uh, has the child ever been away from their parents? Very important. So yeah. uh, it's a very important question because you're sending somebody away for a year, maybe more, yeah. and but they, if they have never been away for more than a night, yeah. how do you know that they're going to survive? Can they do their yeah. own laundry? Can they pay their own bills? And uh, it takes us back to the first episode where Olga mentioned that both of you were exploring um uh, university like okay uh, maybe your son will be studying abroad maybe in america and things like that 
so uh, that's a good segue to kind of say okay what uh, you know as now as a father i'm asking you i ask all as a mother like she said yeah i want my son to study abroad and get that experience uh, what do you see um in your son do you think he's ready <laughs> as well, and i'm that, asking uh, as a professional like a, a you know psychiatrist <laughs> yeah so well that's the thing so that uh, I, i i cannot be professionally looking at my children I, yes, so because that's true. i don't <laughs> see them the same way what i can that's say true. though is that uh, uh in my practice as an inpatient psychiatrist a doctor who works in a hospital for people who get admitted overnight uh, see we don't allow parents to stay with their kids yeah so uh essentially it's a it's an individual assessment yeah. uh so um and uh, often uh even just today we had uh, we had a new patient and uh, uh their parents uh have had really hard time letting mm-hmm. the kid go to stay overnight in a hospital because never before they yeah. they stayed overnight uh, anywhere outside home wow okay so uh and i'm talking about hospital medical professionals it's a safe environment etc etc yeah. uh yeah. so and the parents themselves they felt very anxious because mm. they uh well because that uh, they never experienced that before the kid themselves was fine so <laughs> they you know that uh, they did not have like much of anxiety what have you but the parents yeah. they were like extremely anxious but mm. it may happen the other way so on that what uh, what what would be challenge for an immigration immigration consultant is that the parents may feel comfortable with sending the kid but the kid may may feel too anxious uh, yeah. to go to another place and uh, be separated from the parents and i'd say that it's it is very important to be mindful yeah and that's a very good one, point particular particular that, child that's that's a very good point that you made because um it's some of the students that i meet um particular demographic especially the place where i'm from or where my parents are from let's say um because i can speak the same language they tell and i ask these students sometimes why did you come to canada and they're like well i didn't really want to come but you know the neighbor's kid went so my parents forced me to come and there is no sense of direction there they don't really know what they're doing here um so uh it's i uh, you know what would what would uh, what's your advice for such students um cons- you know what how would you consider the psychology what would you think would be the best response to such uh comment considering you may have seen similar cases right uh well um i think i don't really to be honest with you i don't think that i see similar cases no you don't uh, okay. because um uh, uh there is a there is a quite significant uh, spectrum uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. what you're yeah. talking about is uh, sort of more or less quote unquote uh, normal uh, anxiety or inability to adjust and uh, yeah. uh, we all are quite resilient Uh, mm-hmm. so you uh, put a child in 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 a certain environment and they may learn mm-hmm. um they what, how much it would cost that's a different story yeah. uh, so um learning to do laundry at home is uh, pretty cheap but learning yeah. to to do laundry in uh, 
uh, in uh, uh, you know like in Indonesia uh, may be yeah. very different. Uh, so Absolutely. like because you don't know anything about like uh, how how to even start, right? Yeah. So, um, but um, what I'm trying to say is that uh, I tend to see kids with um, who develop mental illness, like major depressive disorder, not that they're feeling kind of depressed, but they, mm. they have actually a medical condition that is major depressive disorder, yeah. or they have yeah. anxiety disorder, not that they sort of, you know, like homesick. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. What yeah. I would say, though, is that uh, maybe ask this, uh, maybe tell, if I, was, uh, if I was an immigration consultant, I would just be very open and I would tell the parents that, uh, you know, like at least 40% of uh, uh, immigrants give up yeah. in Canada and they return back home. Yes, absolutely. Maybe uh, so, and, uh, and maybe even more. So, yeah. and uh, I would tell them that we want your child to be successful. So let's go down the list. What, uh, what makes you think that they would survive independently with no support yeah. in a new country? Yeah. So, and uh, if, uh, and then maybe how we can prepare them for that. Yeah. Again. How to pay bills? How to do laundry? How to do shopping? Uh, can they uh, can they make their own, own meal? And if they yeah. cannot cook, like uh, where are they gonna get uh, get food? Right. Yeah. So like uh, if they do have uh, mental health or physical health, like how are they issues? How are they uh, yeah. uh, who they who they gonna reach to? Yeah, and um, I should mention to our listeners that most institutions in Canada will have in-house services, um, in-house counseling services, maybe coaching services. Uh, some of the counselors are also licensed uh, psychotherapists, very different from a uh, psychiatrist. Uh, Ruben, can you tell our listeners a little bit, uh, what's the difference between a counselor at a school who's maybe a psychotherapist versus you? Well, uh, um I think that uh, um, to understand this, uh, to understand the system a little bit better, I think that uh, uh, it, it's important to understand what the mental uh, illness or mental health needs are. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like the um, the model that was uh, uh, developed by what's his name, um, Engel. Hmm. No, sorry, I, I'm not. So, like, it's I'm blocking, I'm blocking the name. So, in any case, so I, uh, yeah, Ruben, I like you could say system. any name, and I would still say yes because I. So, <laughs> I would, no. Anyway, so that yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, so there was a, there was this person I'm blocking on the name who developed a biopsychosocial sure. model. So there's uh, there is biology, mm -hmm. uh, that is our genes. So, for mm -hmm. instance, uh, if I have a child, but yeah. I'm struggling with anxiety and depression, and my mother has suffered from depression, and my grandmother suffered from depression, so the yeah. chances are that my child may develop depression because they have the genes. Mm. Uh, so that's the, that's the biology. So mm -hmm. the uh, second part is uh, social. So, and that's what we're mostly talking about is the social environment, is the support. So if I have a child who thrives in a close community so they go mm -hmm. to school with their cousins they uh, they celebrate their birthday with their uncles and aunts and mm -hmm. uh, they have extended family around them so they yeah. do very well in uh, their close community mm -hmm. uh, so it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, if they just travel to another country and they have no one uh, yeah. that they, they they will necessarily thrive so that social environment uh, can be a trigger to uh, 
to a lot of problems. Uh, so uh, it is also can be an opportunity for uh, enormous growth. Yeah. So uh, I know that, for example, uh, for me, uh, that uh, going through immigration process and uh, getting to know people from, uh, you know, Anglo-Saxon uh, culture, from uh, South Asian, from uh, uh, Oriental yeah. culture, from uh, different cultures, like uh, in Scarborough, you can meet uh, you know people from anywhere, uh, Philippines, uh, Iran, uh, Afghanistan, like uh, you name it. Yeah. I probably met people from like all over the world. So that 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 gave me that opportunity for personal growth, but also yeah. imposed a lot of challenge. So because yeah. when I when I go to my neighbors and they need help, they do not respond to me the same way as my uh, aunts and uncles uh, would have done if if I was back home, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's the social. So there is biological number one. There is social number two, and there is psychological. So psychological part is that uh, how we perceive um, all of this challenge. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, if I, well, I like the two uh, so that uh, one analogy I use is if somebody steps on my toe on a bus ride, mm -hmm. if I think they did it on purpose, that makes me feel angry. If yeah. I tell myself that it was an accident, I don't feel angry. Yeah. But the pain is about the same. So yeah. in this <laughs> And this uh, psychology, what I tell myself about my experiences, that yeah. affects the way how I feel. And as a result, it affects the way how I function. So mm. let's say, what if somebody steps on my tone for the second time? And then mm. I, I tell myself again that they, people did it on purpose. I may start yeah. seeing that there is a pattern that people kind of mistreat me all the time. And then mm. they may become sort of depressed and uh, paranoid. That uh, people sort of went on the bus with me to step on my toes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, but if I tell myself that it's just an accident, it just doesn't yeah. affect me the same way. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, 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 when it comes to uh, a therapist, like psychotherapist, psycho yeah. refers to psychology. Therapist yeah. refers to sort of treatment, like treat, treating problems. Yeah. So psychotherapists, they use the psychology sort of help people to perceive their life experiences differently mm. uh, uh, or like more realistic, I guess, yeah. um, uh, when they experience some sort of problem. Yeah. So, for example, um, I failed an exam and yeah. I tell myself that I'm a total loser, so I'm going to fail and I'm going to go back home and I'm never going to settle in this beautiful country. Yeah. So then I uh, I develop depression. So I go to a therapist and I say, well, what makes you think that you're a total loser? You just, you know, yeah. like you passed another exam just last month. Yeah. So and say, so, yeah, wait a minute. That's that's true that I, you know, just me failing one exam does not necessarily mean that I'm going to fail the whole immigration process. So that may <laughs> yeah. be overgeneralization. Yeah. Uh, so and that's what 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 therapy does. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to be a psychotherapist, one does not need to be a medical doctor. Like yes. I can do psychotherapy uh, because I'm a psychiatrist, but yeah. I also should be able to do psychotherapy if I'm a psychologist or a social worker or a child and youth worker. Yes. Uh, so that a lot of uh, uh, people with a lot of different background can provide the psychological treatment. Yeah. So the bottom line is that the difference is that when uh, when a person sees a psychiatrist, that mm -hmm. is a person with the highest level of uh, training. So we train mm -hmm. to prescribe medications. We train to uh, do psychotherapy. 
Yeah. So for the most part, we tend to see the most complex uh, 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 cases. Someone yeah. who has a very complex and uh, uh, a complex need that sort of mm. need our expertise to kind of try to kind of tease this out. And uh, again, people with uh, severe mental illness who may need uh, medications. Yeah. So then, uh, then they need to see a psychiatrist. But if they're going through a sort of adjustment to a new environment and trying to uh, uh, um, get used to the uh, new friends and uh, new culture, then they yeah. don't, don't really need to see a psychiatrist. Now, um, do you? And again, I might be, I might be projecting for some of our listeners who may already be uh, diagnosed back home and have medication, et cetera, um, and who may need continued treatment when they come to Canada. Do you necessarily have referrals from uh, institutions in, now you're located in Scarborough, okay, so maybe uh, the schools in Scarborough or other parts of GTA, do you get referrals from counselors in the school saying, okay, I think you need to meet Dr. Rubin? Uh, or not particularly doctor, but you know, right. you need to meet a psych- psychiatrist and they land up with you, to you, right? Do you see that usually with international students? Well, see, um, uh, uh, in, uh, in Canada, uh, mm-hmm. uh, as, as much as we can, we do yeah. not treat a mental illness any different than any other illness. So, for instance, if you have a client who uh, uh, maybe uh, has been treated for a depressive disorder or anxiety disorder back home, and they're, they're rather stable, so they're taking the same medication for at least six months, for example, and uh, they, uh, they, yeah, so they, they, they're essentially stable. They do yeah. not need to see a psychiatrist. So, uh, like any doctor can prescribe psychiatric meds. So, oh, okay. there's nothing special about it. Uh, okay. So it's just, you know, uh, it, it's just medications. Uh, oh, okay. Um, the okay. only would, uh, and also they, any, any doctor can make adjustments. They, uh, they know uh, there are certain guidelines that, uh, that guide any, uh, any physician um, uh, what to do as a next step if uh, um, someone develops uh, more challenges. Yeah. So they uh, they only make referral to see a psychiatrist if the primary care physician, like a family doctor, does not know what to do next. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I would say that um, we end up uh, seeing uh, international students usually when they're in severe crisis. For instance, mm-hmm. if uh, if they were brought to uh, emergency room. Oh wow! Uh, so okay. that uh, and then they from there they may get re- they may uh, be referred to uh, the uh, to see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. But um, there are different pathways. So yeah. of course that uh, uh, um, the referral you said that the referral would come from uh, a therapist. It has to come from another physician. So uh, ah, for okay. instance, if um, so, so, kind of stepping back a little. Sure, sure. So the way how it should work is that um, it's actually, so the system is pretty simple, uh, mm-hmm. uh, straightforward, I'd say. So that um, uh, the default treatment option is psychotherapy. So okay. because we all need 
accounts, well, we all need coping skills to deal with adjust, to, to adjust to new environment. Okay. So uh, therapy is kind of go-to option. Got However, if a person, for instance, have suicidal thoughts, they don't mm -hmm. want even to live anymore. What mm. are the chances that they're going to listen to advice and start changing their life for better? Yeah. They're already given up. They, they, yeah. They're not going to do that. So the uh, uh, psychotherapist doesn't have a magic touch. So they yeah. only can give an advice, something like uh, meditate regularly, uh, challenge mm. your negative thoughts, or like go to bed on time, exercise regularly, this, this kind of things. Yeah. But if a person doesn't want to live anymore, like what are the chances that they're going to go and sign up for yoga classes? Yeah, uh, it's pretty unrealistic. So mm. at that point, a therapist may say, look, uh, you, you may need to see a doctor. So like uh, you may need the medication as a stepping, stepping stone uh, to, see, uh, to, to kind of benefit even from therapy. Mm. And the therapist usually uh, refers, uh, refer uh, patients to see primary care first, yeah. unless they're in crisis, and that would be emergency room. Uh, so and then the primary care uh, a doctor, they do assessment if, if they think that this is something that they can handle themselves, something yeah. like anxiety disorder or depressive disorder, they have no problem prescribing uh, an antidepressant. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, however, if they keep prescribing the same antidepressant or maybe second antidepressant for past like three months and uh, nothing gets better, so mm -hmm. then at that point they may refer to a psychiatrist for uh, more sort of expertise assessment, yeah. expert assessment. Because of the high volume of students that me and Olga see uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, sometimes um, we do have students that uh, profess uh, mental health issues, um, depression, suicidal indications, etc and after uh, after let's say weeks and weeks of communication we sometimes realize that it may not be the case and again i i feel very uh, you know it's not something i i you know it's not a word that i'd like to use which i'm saying faking it you know <laughs> but and again when we are approached when we are approached by students who are um, professing mental health or suicidal uh, tendencies, etc. We take them very seriously and we act upon it um, uh, with every seriousness. Every case is taken with seriousness, um, and we would like, and we do believe every student that comes to us. Um, you know, saying so, right? Uh, but what would I? I would probably say from from a psychology point of view, how would you approach such a case? If as an advisor, what can I do better, right? Or should I just continue? Okay, I'm going to believe everyone. I'm going to think the best of every. Uh, case and I'm going to think okay this is the truth for every case and what would you say uh, from a student perspective how should they approach advisors 
uh, if they are, you know, incorrectly identifying uh, certain mental health issues. I would like your take on both of us. How do I approach it as an advisor and how should students approach us without <laughs> saying, you know, things that may not be accurate, right? Well, uh, I know it's a tricky uh, question. Sorry. <laughs> no, that uh, it is understandable, right? So that uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like uh, life is complex, and uh, exactly, uh, yeah. sometimes people, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, th there are situations when uh, people make up symptoms uh, for secondary yeah. gains. So we even have a diagnosis called malingering. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, when someone makes up uh, symptoms to avoid certain things, you know, like, again, it could be like an exam or something like that. And yeah. uh, so for secondary gains, uh, it may also get pretty complicated because uh, people sometimes may consciously make up mm -hmm. symptoms, but not to avoid a certain thing, but maybe to meet their own psychological needs. Mm -hmm. uh, so and in that case, it's, uh, it becomes actually very difficult to even identify what those needs are. Yeah. Uh, so, and even meeting those needs may not necessarily solve the problem because it becomes a little bit too uh, too deep. But mm. I'd say that uh, from uh, from a counselor point of view, you should yeah. develop a certain um, policy. Uh, yeah. So, and maybe again coordinated because uh, coordinated with your uh, managers uh, yeah. or the uh, you know like licensing authority because uh, um, uh, there is a huge liability involved. Uh, so Absolutely. in this case, um, I'd say that the question you should ask yourself if you have like uh, if you have any safety concerns. Yeah. So for instance, if uh, if somebody says that they're suicidal, then yeah. uh, if I was a if I wasn't mental health professional, but I was like immigration consultant, I would just call uh, call nine one one. Yeah, I say, well, and this, that's uh, what we have yeah. been. So essentially, I have this person on the line. They say that they're suicidal. Yeah. Uh, so and. Um, and then, yeah, we do uh, have of, uh, let's, checks yeah, and let's, things uh, like yeah. yeah, let yeah. Uh, let the crisis kind of deal with that. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you are not, so let's say you know it's it's okay to ask direct question. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure. For the most most uh, most of the time, uh, people tend to uh, kind of be humans. Vast majority yeah. of us, we don't like to lie. <laughs> Hopefully not. So it makes us <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah. So uh, and then uh, if you uh, if you ask a person uh, like, do you have suicidal thoughts? Just direct yeah. question uh, tends mm. to lead to uh, to uh, a direct answer. Mm. Uh, so uh, sometimes what I see in my practice is that parents uh, or uh, again other professionals they try to kind of dance around and try to guess, but mm. then it never works because like how can you guess, right? It's just impossible. Yeah. So. Uh, then it's okay to ask a direct question, uh, yeah. and um, and then uh, if if there is no safety concern and the person needs support, again, mm. I would I would direct them to uh, professionals to say, you know, like uh, uh, we have this system, this is a phone number essentially, this is where you should call to get uh, more psychological support. Mm. Uh, for the um, uh, for the students, for your clients, I yeah. can say that. Uh, well, don't lie. <laughs> uh, so, uh, because uh, for mental health professionals, like after seeing, I don't know, like uh, uh, six, seven hundred, uh, hundred patients every every year. Yeah. Uh, so it's not uh, it's not very hard for me to uh, kind of spot out uh, if somebody is making things up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, 
that may not be the best uh, strategy. Yeah. Um, so, um, however, if a person does need, uh, does have psychological needs or mental health needs, again, mm-hmm. same advice, just, uh, you know, like you should request it directly. There is mm-hmm. no shame uh, yeah. in asking for help. Yeah, um, yeah. So if uh, if you struggle and uh, if you have suicidal thoughts or you have problems with focus or anxiety, reach out yeah. for help as soon as you can. Uh, so yeah. and uh, and uh, well, the help presents itself. Yeah, and and this is definitely something that we do inform our students, especially different demographics, how different. Um, I should say <laughs> they should every demographic has a different understanding of mental health, whether it's positive or negative, right? So uh, this is something we tell our students, you know, it is um, it is okay to seek help um, when you feel, um, when you feel off, because sometimes a lot of people don't really know what's going on with them, right? So seeing a psychotherapist or seeing one of our counselors making an appointment, just the first act of doing it and talking to a professional makes sense. And sometimes we, as immigration consultants, yes, we are the we are an international student advisor, and sometimes the first point of contact, like I mentioned, we need to have our empathy gauge up uh, to be open to listening to students' issues. And sometimes they just want to connect with someone that speaks the same language or uh, they don't really want to see a counselor. They just want to, you know, take things out of their chest and just put it forward and tell someone, right? Um, So I always keep an open ear and I always try to put myself in their shoes and see, okay, you know, um, how can I help this situation? If I feel that, okay, this is, it might be going a little bit um, over my expertise or uh, further away from my expertise, I will kindly ask them to book an appointment with um, a licensed uh, counselor. And uh, maybe that might be the next step. But many times students do, many times they don't. They just come back and talk to me. And I'm happy if I can provide an ear uh, just to relieve them. And uh, that's what I do. And um, we will have an episode with um, one of the insurance providers in Canada later on to kind of uh, let listeners who are interested in studying in Canada about what kind of uh, policies they'll have as an international student in certain institutions, what is covered, um uh, do you have any experience uh, in coverage uh, in terms of insurance coverage how much of it i i know every institution might be different so well uh so that uh, i'm not in a position to make any particular advice about the policies no, i guess no. just in general no. uh so what i uh, what i said before it's uh, it's important to read uh, to read the uh, uh, f- uh fine print yes uh, so yes. that uh, uh, so and uh, uh, so far, uh, things that I kind of ran into with the policies is uh, what I what I mentioned before is that uh, uh, payment for um, you know the, the uh, per occurrence. Yeah. Uh, so again, 
if I if I if my policy is ten million dollars, but I only pay per occurrence hundred dollars, it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's not uh, it's it's deceiving. So mm-hmm. because it is not possible, so not realistic to kind of even use up this money uh, in any kind of scenario. Yeah, and, yeah. That, and that is a that is a warning sign. So the way how I understand insurance should work is that uh, there should be cases in severe cases. I may need more that I'm paying, and yeah. then in uh, sort of you know like uh, or I may use like the whole kind of amount in the yeah. extreme kind of in extreme kind of situation. But uh, if there is no realistic situation that may deliver me the whole full full policy, then it's just fake. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, second thing that happens is that um, what I run into is uh, if the insurance covers only emergency coverage. Mm-hmm. So, the way how it works is that, uh, especially with mental health, um, it's not possible to fix mental health issues in the emergency room. No. Uh, so, um, uh, it t- what we typically do, if somebody comes in in crisis to emergency room, we, uh, uh, regardless whether they need an admission uh, for crisis or they get discharged home, but we mm-hmm. tend to, uh, we try to arrange uh, outpatient follow-up, and yeah. uh, uh, some of the insurance plans do not cover outpatient follow-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that again, that makes zero sense because uh, if the policy was designed to help people to help people to again survive and get the services done. Yeah. Then you would not want them to go to emergency room every time when they need something. But yeah. going to emergency room may uh, may require sitting there from like four to fourteen hours. Uh, so wow. and of course that is a deterrent. Uh, so yeah. in some insurance companies, I feel that they use that deterrent to stop people from uh, accessing help that uh, that they might actually need. Mm-hmm. So um, let me think for a second. Um, yeah, those are probably two main things. Yeah, the outpatient services uh, as opposed to crisis only. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, so, if I was a parent, I would probably try to reach out to uh, to insurance company and say, "What happens if I if my child goes to emergency room, gets a prescription, and yeah. uh, needs to see a doctor after?" After the emergency room, will that be covered? Yeah. So, and that that does not necessarily have to be mental health. Let's say mm-hmm. you know, like if a person broke their leg, so they yeah. get the cast and they go to emergency room. Well, they're gonna need a couple of follow-up appointments, X-rays. Uh, yeah. So that uh, what uh, uh, is that gonna be covered? Mm-hmm. Um, so that uh, that uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to insurance. Yeah, uh, there was something no, else yeah, that you I were talking about. Yeah. I know it's sometimes difficult because I know every institution has maybe different types of policies and things like that. And we will have an episode uh, with one of the um, uh, companies that provide insurance to international students later on. Um, but um, I would like to thank you, Ruben, for taking the time and you know presenting us your your great in-depth knowledge um to our listeners it, it's been really fantastic I, I again i know it's been uh, it was kind of a last minute request and i really thank you for the time um uh, i do want our listeners to uh know that ruben has uh his own youtube channel and um how can our listeners uh find you well, uh, 
Uh, so that uh, for the channel, it's uh, uh, Dr. Gagarin. It's uh, D-R-G-A-G-A-R-I-N. Yeah. Uh, so that's the that's the name of the channel. And uh, uh, so what uh, what I do on my uh, YouTube channel is uh, I try to actually show complexities. It uh, reflects actually well on what what you mentioned about different cultures. Uh, yeah. See, there is um, uh, mental health is very complex. Uh, so, and uh, 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 as much as we try to simplify it by giving a particular diagnosis and uh, we try to uh, put people in little boxes and prescribe them uh, certain treatments uh, to, to fix their problems, the real life uh, um, becomes a lot more complicated. Uh, so what I try to do in my uh, YouTube channel is uh, to try uh, oh, to, to show the um, real life uh, cases uh, with its complexities. So mm -hmm. just, uh, you know, like uh, my uh, next video I just uh, just recorded is about someone who is uh, struggling with attention deficit disorder, uh, uh, lifelong anxiety. And mm. um, I, I uh, saw that. <laughs> yeah, so that, uh, again. So this, like, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm again, uh, as a layperson, sometimes I might have to rewatch something, but I, I, I've, yeah. I've so that, uh, <laughs> yeah, real, real life is more complicated. And I guess what is relevant to to our conversation today, uh, yeah. on my channel, I'm trying to talk about real people, not yes. uh, not a diagnosis. And then uh, if you if you watch the videos, you can actually see that it's uh, it should be like I'm trying to make it more relatable. And you see that there is a spectrum, and yes. uh, you may recognize some of the people who you know. And it's oh, interesting well, that <laughs> due to privacy, of course, like we know, no, you, you can't hope for that. It's a, it's a spectrum. You, uh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, all of us, uh, all of us, uh, uh, you know, like vulnerable at some point. Yeah, uh, or yeah. like to uh, to some. Oh, degree, I meant. Uh, I I I I thought you mentioned you might uh, watch the video and remember someone from the cases you're mentioning. So that's why I said hopefully not due to privacy reasons. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> no, of course that uh, again that uh, the the formula that I came up with is that uh, I say something like uh, uh, my. Uh, my real patient fake name or like fictional yeah, yeah, yeah. name. And, uh, yeah, so I've seen that. that. Uh, yeah. Of course, that uh, all of those details, they change. But uh, uh, um, uh, but I try to stick to the story uh, so that uh, that to give uh, to to give the viewers or listeners uh, kind of good uh, good sense of what kind of things that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, uh, and it's a fantastic thing. I should very tell important. my listeners, please do follow it. I... You know, I, I, I'm subscribed to Ruben's channel and I will post um, the link in the description as well to the podcast so that our listeners can find you. Uh, do you also have an Instagram account or Facebook that people can follow you? No, I'm Nothing shy. Like I'm too shy. <laughs> I mean, if you are creating YouTube videos, so, uh, I think Instagram is okay. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, like I'm working on it. So I'm un okay. uh, unfortunately I'm too busy. Uh, so, but yes, at some absolutely. point, of course, like I, uh, so, just the just the YouTube for now. But then, interesting. I think that it's very important for the uh, for this uh, for our listeners today to uh, to mention that uh, you mentioned different cultures and people come from uh, different places to Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and um, uh, some places, for example, China and uh, yeah. Russia, and I'm sure that there are other places in the world that mm -hmm. uh, that maintain some sort of central uh, sort of roster, some sort of list and uh, database of people with mental illness. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I hear that frequently from uh, from the parents that uh, that bring kids to emergency room and they want to know who is going to know about their diagnosis or, or their problems or their admission. Mm. So, and that is the biggest concern and one of the biggest obstacles, I I think, for people to reach out for uh, help. There are like basically there are two main barriers, two main obstacles that uh, for the students and their families to reach out for help. One is yeah. the stigma. Uh, yes. So stigma means that in our mind, we kind of separate people into normal people and crazy people. So and yeah. uh, if so, like certainly I'm not crazy. So and only crazy people go to see psychiatrist. So I can tell you that uh, I have never seen a crazy person. I yeah. only have seen normal people who reach out for help and they struggle with their mental illness. Yeah. So. Um, but in any case, so that that is my approach. But if you start with saying that only crazy people go to see psychiatrist, and my child or like me are not crazy, so therefore I don't need to see a psychiatrist. I don't need any help. No. That that's what stigma essentially is. Mm. So, but if you approach it like I do, that uh, we all kind of in the same boat, we all have uh, our own mental health challenges, and uh, we all need help then you realize that reaching out for help, that's the only wise decision that uh, one can make. Yeah, so then, uh, that, that really helps with the stigma. But the second part that is very important, I think, for the uh, international students to hear is that in Canada, uh, mm-hmm. uh, their privacy is protected by law. Absolutely. So essentially, that's what you mentioned about my videos. I cannot go on a YouTube channel and mention your name and uh, describe exactly. your story exactly. because that would be unethical and possibly illegal. Yeah. So and we uh, do, and uh, yeah, this is the other thing uh, we want our listeners to know that if you are facing um, uh, mental health issues and you have to speak to our counselors, your counselors, uh, you know, they may not even tell us what is the issue, right? They may only be very specific uh, line of queries that are asked by them in terms of, okay, uh, would scenario A be particularly challenging for immigration? And we give that uh, them the answer because they do not share any personal conversations that you had between them as per their ethical obligation or licensing obligations as well. So, yeah, that's a very good point, Ruben. I yeah, I, I can go. Yeah, so for example, in my practice, uh, 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 I have to just, so the way how it works, uh, let's say you come in to see me mm-hmm. and uh, let's say uh, you uh, tell me some uh, personal secrets and then yeah. you can tell me I, I really just sharing it in private and I don't want anyone to know. Now, yeah. my, pro, my, uh, uh, my task as a physician is to document and justify diagnosis and treatment. I don't yeah. have to document any personal secrets. So, yeah. for example, if somebody had some uh, challenges with the law. So, for yeah. example, somebody comes in and tells me that uh, they purchased an illegal drug or they mm-hmm. they broke a law. I don't mm-hmm. have to write it down in my notes. I can, yeah. uh, I can say that the person is, let's say, for example, worrying about uh, 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 potential legal problems. So yeah. that would be vague enough, to, but again, it gives me uh, gives my note enough weight uh, to yeah. justify a particular diagnosis on treatment. Absolutely. Then, uh, let's say my note may be a couple of pages. So when school, for example, Centennial College uh, or like uh, University of Toronto or any high school, they, if they mm-hmm. 
uh, I want my patients to uh, to get accommodations, to get help and support. So yeah. I write a letter to school, but that letter is only like three paragraphs. Exactly. So there is nothing about their secrets or their problems or what they told me in my assessment. Uh, so yeah. at the at the max, it involves uh, writing a diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, so, but even then, uh, my patients can say, "Well, I don't want to share my diagnosis." So yeah. uh, then I would just say something like, "It's a medical condition. It is not ideal, but uh, again, there are some sort of ways around it." And I request accommodations without uh, disclosing any personal secrets. But it's mm-hmm. a very important point: is that the uh, immigration services or colleges or schools they do not have a legal access to uh, one's medical records. Yeah. And yeah, that's as an immigration consultant, I should let us listeners know as well. So sometimes when you do have challenges with immigration and um, you do have a letter from a counselor or a doctor or a psychiatrist, etc., sometimes it may help with your immigration case and um counselors will like rubin mentioned psychiatrists they only put enough information to make it uh, a a solid explanation but vague enough you know <laughs> so mm-hmm. i mean not that that's 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 nothing wrong in that because of privacy issues they don't have to share or they will not share the complete uh diagnosis with an external person uh, like immigration yeah so uh i don't i don't know uh i own uh, so there have been a couple of a uh, couple of situations when i wrote letters to immigration but mm. uh, again i have never uh been in a position when i would have to share my notes even when i was uh, even when i wrote letters i usually would give it to uh, my patients so they could read it and they know exactly what i'm sharing so yeah, they always yeah. can tell me that uh, what if i like can we remove this uh, yeah, yeah. so that uh, because i don't want this to share so that yeah. essentially in canada uh, everyone is in charge of their own personal medical uh, information exactly. that is protected by law and uh, yeah. that is uh, that is very important, and uh, that uh, that is also um, uh, uh, true about mental health concerns. Absolutely, absolutely. Ruben, thank you so much. I know it's getting late as well. By the time we are completing this recording, it's uh, about ten thirty at night, and I know you have work tomorrow. I want to let you go. And I want to really, really thank you for your time. Um, I'm so I'm this... so busy. I never sleep. Yeah. <laughs> no, of course. Like uh, I appreciate that, but uh, I want to say that uh, if you uh, so uh, like if you're interested, if there are any uh, yes. any particular questions, we can have a follow up uh, session and uh, yeah, absolutely. Make it a little and I was bit more just... relevant and focused. Exactly. I was just going to mention to our listeners. You know, you can email us at edutalkscanada at gmail dot com. Uh, we have an Instagram page, edutalkscanada. You can post your comments, questions. Uh, we do have um, a YouTube channel as well, Edutalks Canada. You can find our podcast in um, a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of platforms that <laughs> you listen to podcasts, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, put in your comments, questions, uh, particular questions if you have for Ruben. You can also again visit uh, Ruben's uh, at uh, Gagarin <laughs> YouTube channel. I uh, know so at Dr. Dr. Gagarin. Gagarin. Yeah. Dr. Gagarin uh, YouTube channel 
Um, I will post uh, your YouTube link uh, in the description so people can find you if they have questions for you particularly, they can send them to you directly. Uh, but your insight today um, was extremely, extremely helpful. And uh, this is the intention of the podcast to present uh, listeners who are interested in studying in Canada with uh, perspectives from different professionals that deal with international students and not just an immigration perspective, not just an academic, but, but you know, an overall what students uh, can look forward to when coming to Canada, what they need to expect, what challenges, uh, what solutions, etc., etc. So we may we may come back again, Ruben. Hopefully, we have questions from listeners, and maybe we can you know do another podcast with different set of scenarios, etc. Because um, I think mental health is the top priority for. Uh, uh, you know, for most students coming from, you know, let's say uh, uh, from a background that is, uh, or from an educational background that's very different and, you know, uh, seeking help, mental health, uh, you know, solutions to facing such problems, whether it's in academics and uh, social life, etc. So Ruben, thank you so much. Uh, we will meet again, Ruben. Uh, thank you so much uh, for today. Oh yeah, you're you're welcome. Uh, again, again, I, I just uh, I just recently started my YouTube channel. So uh, if uh, if you uh, if you wish to subscribe to uh, listen to uh, see uh, uh, to 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 hear real life stories, I'd appreciate that. So thank yeah. you very much for your support and thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you so much and thank you all the listeners uh, joining in for our third episode. Uh, we hope to see you soon again, and we look forward to your comments, questions. Thank you. That is it for this episode of Edu Talks Canada. All episodes are produced by Achuth Kesavan and TG Kutamparor. Opening theme song by Rex Banner, Goals. Be sure you subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review.